Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will empower and inspire you. Jesus, when He entered into His ministry at the age of 30, knew that He had three years to make a difference. Three years to change the world. Three years, and then He knew that He was going to be taken from this planet, knowing that He owned only had three years while he was here, Jesus was exceptionally intentional about how he used the window of opportunity that God had given to him. Now, when you and I read the Bible, we are confronted with the truth that God says to you and to me that we should number our days. I woke up this morning, I did my one year Bible reading program and was confronted by the harsh reality that we are already 29 days into 2017. 29 days. And the Bible says that we should be aware of that, that we should number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom. Meaning that if we're not considering the brevity of this opportunity, this year that God has given to us, that we could live this year foolishly. Now, Jesus knew that He had three years. That's literally just three times the number of days that you've got in this one calendar year with which to change the world. And Jesus said, I want this season to be successful. So with that in mind, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what did Jesus do with the time that God had given to him? Where was the prioritization of our Savior's energies? Because I don't know about you, just like Jesus had a plan for this year, I believe God's got a plan for this year. And I believe God wants you and I to grow. Does anybody believe that? I believe God wants you and I to get to the end of 2017 and be able to say, I'm a better man or I'm a better woman. I'm a better husband, I'm a better wife, I'm a better mother, I'm a better father, I'm a better student, I'm a better, I'm a better full-time athlete, my, my, my alternative you know, dream for my life. Uh, I believe that God would like us to be able to say at the end of this year that we dealt with an addiction, that we, 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 we were able to overcome something in our lives. We were able to find freedom from some stuff maybe. We were able to manage our finances better. Could be just a great goal for us for 2017. And with that in mind, and with Jesus' goal in mind, we should ask the question, how can we, and how did Jesus invest the time that was given to Him so that He could achieve the result? Well, what we discover about Jesus is that He devoted the vast majority, the overwhelming percentage of the time that He had on this planet to a group of 12 that knowing that Jesus had only three years with which to change the world, Jesus' response to the shortness of time and the desire to make a difference by starting a life group. Jesus said, if I'm going to make this window of my life successful, then what I need to do above and beyond anything else is to invest my time into a small group of people so that when I'm gone, they will be able to continue the work. 
He said, I need to make sure that I'm replicating myself in the lives of somebody else. Jesus chose 12 and He did life with them. They ate together. They hung out together. They worked on projects together. If they were New Zealand disciples, they probably did a DIY project together. They, they, they laughed together. They prayed together. And friends, whilst little or next to nothing is known, about the lives of those who heard the messages of Jesus. A lot is known about those who heard the heart of Jesus. Because publicly, Jesus shared His messages. But privately, Jesus shared His heart. And we have a very stark correlation in our Bible given to us between those who were part of Jesus' life group and those who just were around His messages. And I believe for you and me that just like Jesus' life group was an amazing place to be, I believe with all my heart, beginning all the way back at the dawn of time when God gave Moses instructions on how to organise the Israelites all the way through to how the early church was assembled. And for us as the camp on the ministry of Jesus, what we discover is that small groups, life groups have been part of our Christian experience since the first time that people began to worship God. And so for you and me, I wanna talk to you this morning about eight things, eight things that Jesus' disciples got from being part of Jesus' life group. And the first thing that we discover about Jesus' life group is that Jesus' life group is where the greatest discoveries were made. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, is really the quintessential picture for us in the ministry of Jesus of what a life group looks like. Jesus had finished His corporate teaching, church service was over, people had taken things out of the message that applied them to their lives different ways. Jesus gathered His life group together and then beginning with an open-ended question, He wanted the teaching thus far to be something that they discovered as life for them. So he presented his life group with a question. And that's really the essence of life groups, isn't it? You get with a small group of people, you take the Word that's been preached, the living Word of God, the Bible, and then with questions, we explore it so that we can discover how it can impact our lives. So this group were there with Jesus and He said, well, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're Elijah. Some say you're one of the prophets. And they began to give differing answers. And then one guy in the life group, Peter. Every life group leader loves a little bit of Peter. And then every life group leader occasionally wants a little bit less of a Peter. You know what I'm talking about? The talkative cat. Peter is the talkative cat in this life group this day. And he says, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's right. I am the Christ, the Son of the living God and blessed are you, Simon. And I'll tell you what, you're not Simon, you're actually Peter. In other words, when they got together with this small group, they firstly discovered more about God. 
But the more you discover about God, the more you discover about you. And friends, when you and I get together, there's something special. You can come to a service like this on a Sunday, hear some corporate teaching, walk out of the church service, and maybe by Wednesday, I I hate to admit it, but the message is forgotten. You know what I'm talking about? It's a harsh reality of being a preacher that people forget these amazing messages that I put my heart and soul into. No bitterness there at all. But you know, when you get to a a group of people where you're literally giving your whole attention, when there's the smallness of the circle, when there is the open-ended question and you really go to another level of focus and intimacy and connection, then a stated message or just the truth of God's Word in that right environment, you find discoveries come alive in your heart. Does anybody experience that? And God doesn't want you and I to just hear sermons that are forgotten by Wednesday. He wants us to be part of an environment where we discover more about Him. I believe God wants you and me to grow this year. Do you believe that? And as we go on a journey of growth and discovery in our lives, it is important that we realise that discoveries for Jesus' ministry, well, they happened in His life group. The second thing that we discover about Jesus' life group is that it's where the greatest God moments took place. Man, I love church and I loved our praise and worship this morning, but I want you to know that it's been my Christian experience. And when I read the teachings of Jesus, when I read the Gospels, I am confronted with the truth that both in my own life and in the Gospels that we read this morning, the most powerful God moments actually did not occur when Jesus was teaching to a corporate crowd. I mean, we sensed God's presence here. I literally was enjoying the worship so much, I forgot about thinking about my sermon. That's a good thing, I think. But the truth is that when you get with a small group of people, a life group together, there's something about it. And I'll tell you why. Because the greater the unity, the greater the release of God's power. And when you get in an environment like this, there's a measure of unity, but if you've got 10 or 12 people committed to doing life with one another and you get together in that environment, the Bible says, if two or three of you agree concerning anything, read the book of Acts and you'll find that it was in homes where the greatest outpourings of the Holy Spirit took place. It wasn't in corporate gatherings. It was in life groups. And when we think about the teaching of Jesus, we realise that that's exactly the same. It was in His life group where the greatest God moments took place, whether it's the Mount of Transfiguration or the home of Jairus. These were the times when they had the greatest God moments. I mean, in my own life, let me tell it to you like this. I got set on fire for God because I attended a conference where Winky Prattney taught on revival for six days. And if you're new to it, there's a lot of Christian talk in that sentence, but basically to say that I went to a place where people were learning more about God and something happened in my life during that conference. The truth is, that's only half the story. The second half of the story is that I left that conference 
with a bunch of guys and we'd met at the conference, but they became for the next window of my life, really my life group. And we would meet weekly to seek God. And on the night that we left that conference, we started a prayer meeting at 10 o'clock on a Saturday night that seemed to me like it was only 30 minutes long, yet it finished after two o'clock in the morning as God's presence was so powerfully poured out in that one service, that one life group environment, that one small group gathering, that literally within about three months, I'd resigned my job and I've been doing this or trying to learn how to do this for the rest of my life. The greatest God moments that you're gonna have in this year are not necessarily, in fact, not going to be in corporate gatherings like this one. If you wanna go deeper in God, get a group of people that are committed to you and committed to God and committed to one another and watch what the Lord will do in an environment like that. The third thing that we discover about Jesus's life group is that it was in Jesus's life group where the greatest prayers were prayed. It was in His life group where the greatest prayers were prayed. Have you ever read what we call the Lord's Prayer? Do you know the reason why the Lord's Prayer is in our Bible? Because one day Jesus was with His life group and He was praying. And His life group said to Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And in answer to that, in Luke chapter 11, verse one, Jesus taught them what we now know as the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven and so on and so on. And He taught His disciples to pray, not in a public environment, but in a private environment. Not in a corporate church service, but in a life group is where the greatest prayers were prayed. Now listen, we come to church on a Sunday and you hear people on a platform like this and they're praying prayers, eloquent and polished, often with great volume. But when you get together with your life group and you're in an environment where you're touching God about something specific, a need or a situation, that's the environment, friend, where prayer really comes alive. It's where, it's where we get the greatest examples of prayer. For instance, the Garden of Gethsemane. Why do we know what Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? The answer is because He invited His life group to stand with Him in prayer at the most desperate hour of His life. There is nothing better, by the way, than getting together with people who know how to touch God about things when you need an answer to prayer. I mean, I, I'm, we're praying people. We, we say grace. We say, you know, prayers with our children at nighttime. But when you need a miracle or when you're facing a tough situation and you get with a group of people and a couple of the people in that life group really know how to pray. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You're thinking of names. You're thinking of faces of praying people you know who know how to pray. I'm thinking of Ben's mother-in-law, Margaret Cook. And when you get with people who know how to pray, and you need a miracle, well, that's where you discover what prayer really looks like. And there is nothing more powerful we could learn this year, perhaps, than to discover a greater depth of how to touch heaven and bring God's will to earth. If you wanna pray, be in a life group. Number four, the fourth thing that we discover about Jesus' life group is that it's where the greatest secrets were revealed. I love that. 
In Luke chapter 8 and verse 10, Jesus said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom, speaking to his life group, has been given to you. But to others I speak in parables so that though seeing they may not see and though hearing they may not understand. Jesus is saying to his disciples, he's saying, I know you guys, so I'm gonna let you in a whole lot deeper. I'm not gonna let everybody in to the true understanding of what I'm talking about because I don't know these cats that well, but I know you and so I'm gonna let you in. Jesus is saying, because we have a depth of relationship, we can go beneath the surface. Now, a lot of you out there are immediately freaking out that if you're gonna join an Arise Life group, that you're gonna have to like share the secrets of your heart in the, that most awful way that Christians can manufacture this false sense of intimacy. Like, let's all tell everybody all the past and every good, you know, people never look at you the same again. I don't want our church to be full of life groups like that. We need to be real. At moments, we need to share. But what I am saying to us today is that when you're in relationship with people and in a environment of trust, that's where the real conversations finally begin to take place. Jesus said to His disciples in John 16, 29 and 30, He said, we, you, the disciples said, you are speaking plainly to us. And He said, that's because I know you. And because I know you, I can speak to you plainly. You don't reveal your heart to people you don't know, right? Number five, the fifth thing about a power of Jesus' life group is that it's where the greatest friendships were made. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus was speaking to His life group and He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I now call you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus is saying to His disciples, guys, because we have a depth of knowledge, shared knowledge, because we know each other, because we're on the same growth trajectory, we are now enjoying a depth of friendship that we didn't before. I believe God doesn't want you and I to just have shallow relationships. Have you found that when you get into an environment, you know, I think one of the most clear ones is like when you start graduating through the adult stages of life, like when you're going through pre-marriage counselling with a group of friends, when you're going through post-marriage like enrichment with a group of friends, antenatal classes with a group of people. You find as you share knowledge and walk the journey of maturing and growing, you have a depth of connection with these people, right? And Jesus is saying, if we want our relationships, our friendships to be deep and rich, then let's go on a growth journey together. Let's learn more about God together. Because He said, you were just servants, but now you're friends because you understand more about God than you did before. Our friendship has gone to another level. And friends that you're growing with in God together are going to be the best friends in your life. I don't want my friendships to be based around negativity, cynicism. I don't wanna be a fence sitter. I don't wanna be someone pushing the envelope of sin with people as hard as I can. 
I want the people closest to me to be those that are leaning towards God, growing in a new area. Let's be better parents. Let's deal with our debt. Let's reach our schools for Jesus. Let's learn about healthy friendships or relationships. Man, when you get in a God environment with people that are learning more about Jesus together, it makes the friendships deeper. Do you believe that together? And listen, let's get clear about it. When you choose your friends, you choose your destiny. The people closest to you are going to be the number one determiner of where you go in life. If you don't like, if you don't wanna grow towards the people around you, get some new people around you. Find the right life group environment that will pull you in the right direction towards Jesus, amen? Number six, it's where the greatest conversations were had. When you think about life and you think about Jesus and His disciples, it's a really awesome thing to just go through the Gospels like I did this week and to consider how much we wouldn't have in our Gospels if Jesus didn't have a life group. For instance, we wouldn't have the Lord's Prayer. We've already covered that. We wouldn't have His prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, which I believe everybody needs to know for the toughest moral moments of their life. Not my will, God, but Your will be done. This marriage is tough, but not my will, your will be done. Not, not, don't deliver me out of this hour unless it's gonna be possible. When Jesus prayed that prayer, we needed that in our Bible. Think about this, faith is small as a mustard seed. We only know the power of that because it happened in His life group. A tree must produce fruit. Jesus taught that in His life group. The Son of Man must die. We only know that from His life group. New wine needs a new wineskin. Speak peace to the house. Command the wind and the waves. Get out and walk upon the water. These are all life group conversations that Jesus had with the members of His life group. And I believe that for you and for me, the greatest conversations we're ever gonna have that teach us the most that we need to learn are not just gonna come from one-dimensional sermons on a Sunday, but from two-dimensional conversations with a group of people who wanna grow in God together and it'll enrich our lives and make us deep. Do you believe that today? And number seven, the seventh one, is that it was in Jesus' life group that the greatest challenges were made. See, the truth is that you really can't challenge someone that you don't have a relationship with. Is that not true? But when Jesus formed His life group, man, these guys didn't get left out of Jesus' challenge. They got the greatest challenges that He ever gave. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 23, by the way, three verses after the passage of Scripture where Jesus says to Simon, you're not Simon, you're now Peter. Simon meaning reed, Peter meaning rock. And then three verses later in verse 23, the Bible says that Jesus turned to Peter and He said, get behind me, Satan. This guy's got three names in as many verses. You're Simon, you're Peter, now you're Satan, buddy. In other words, you're, you're not a loser, you're a strong guy with some sin that still needs to be dealt with. Is anybody out there willing to be honest enough to say that you're not a loser, you're a winner, but there's still some sin you gotta deal with? Yeah, 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 I've got my hand, I've got both my hands up. And what we find about Jesus is that He was able to give challenges in His life group that He didn't give anywhere else. And I want you to know something, team. I can throw out a sermon on a Sunday or you could listen to a podcast and you get challenged at one level. 
But when you get in a small group, a life group with other people, the challenge is more personal. But if you're not challenged, you don't grow. And I believe that God wants you and I to grow. Firstly, let me say this. There is nothing you're struggling with in your life that you can't get victory over. There is no setback in your life that you can't bounce back from. No addiction God can't set you free from. No despondency God can't lift you out of. And if you believe that, could you praise God just a little bit right now? Yeah, come on. But in order for you and I to grow, in order for you and I to grow, we need to be challenged. I mean, last year about this time, I got hit by a car while I was out riding my bike. My right shoulder went all the way back to a point where it had no strength. I couldn't even hold a microphone like that. Couldn't hold my arm out like that. And so I went along to the physiotherapist and it got to a point in my training where he said, okay, John, you've got to do a push-up." So I, I, I got down at home and I was like, okay, I'm going to do a push-up." Now I'm left-handed, this one, left-handed. So I knew that this would be all right. But as I, as I tried to drop down into the press-up, it was like this whole arm was just shaking all the way down and I collapsed on, the, on that side. I couldn't hold my body. But you know what? The next morning I woke up and I was just in pain. Everything was in pain and everything was tight. And I went back to the physio and he was like massaging and pulling my, my neck like I was, he made it click. You know that click thing? I always think I'm not gonna be able to feel my feet after they do that. They, they clack it. I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what have you done to me? But you know, I go back and then, and then I try again, you know, and the, it was a great big challenge. I couldn't, I couldn't quite do it, but you know, I've been, I've been doing doing it every day, every day. I've been doing my push-ups. I can do, I can bounce them and clap them. And I can, I can, I can do the one hand, baby. I, I got it down. I mean, it's all good to go. And it's amazing. That was supposed to be so cool. Like a jump up, like a burpee, you know what I mean? I can do a burpee. Don't do it in these shoes though, because it's like, like doing the running man at the same time. I feel good. It's amazing how when you're challenged, you find out things about yourself. You grow to new levels. Listen, you enjoy life more. Hello? Feel more able, feel more normal, feel more capable. And you and I, God doesn't want us to run from challenges. He wants us to intentionally put ourselves in environments where people are going to be able to see the real you, learn a couple of secrets perhaps, and then bring that tailor-made challenge that makes you and I into the people God wants us to be. And number eight, the eighth thing that we find out about Jesus' life group is that it's where the greatest growth took place. Isn't it amazing that we've got this huge like, story that in three years, We've got a crowd who turned up to hear His messages and we've got a life group who put themselves in a place where they could share His journey. And we've got a crowd that believed and got miracles, but there's no real track of any growth in their lives. Yet with the people that were in Jesus' life group, they're only in their life group for two years and they get a new title, not disciples, now apostles. And then they went on and when Jesus went to heaven, 
These people in his life group, as the band come up on stage, the, the, these people in his life group, they went on to change the world. In fact, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13, it says that when they saw the courage of Peter and John, two people in Jesus' life group, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men. They were astonished and they took note that they hadn't just heard the teachings of Jesus, that they hadn't just rocked up to the sermons of Jesus, but because they had what? Been with Jesus, ate meals with Jesus, broke bread with Jesus, opened the Word of God with Jesus, that He asked questions of them and they asked questions of Him. And in the life group, these young men who were said to be unschooled and ordinary grew to become knowledgeable and courageous. I don't know about you, but I don't believe anybody in this room is without a purpose for their life. I don't think anybody's ordinary in this room. I don't think anybody is unschooled in this room. But when you and I get ourselves in the right environment, then I'm finding that courage comes alive. Our potential is awakened. We realise that we can and we will change the world. And I believe this year, God's got a great year ahead for every single one of us. Do you believe that? We are building a church. He had a rise that is going to be able to reach a nation with the truth and love of Jesus Christ. A church not bound by geography, a church that says we're coming to you. A church where people's lives are so set on fire for God that they immediately begin to have an impact in the lives of people around them because changed lives change lives. God doesn't want you and I to end this year with a life that's the same or a heart that's the same or issues that are the same. He wants us to take one more step into likeness of Christ, growth in our personal lives. He wants us to be better people, more able, to testify of Him. And I believe that if you and I could put ourselves in the right life group, that we could, we could all be people of great growth, make a great difference, have great friendships. We could all receive the right challenge. And 2017 could be the best year of our lives. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor John Cameron. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church, check out arisechurch.com or find us on YouTube.